This is Austin Moe, and you're listening to Thunder Underground. Welcome to episode 314 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent Jason here as always, and this week we've got a lot of stuff going on. We've got not one, but two interviews, and we're going to play some music and talk about a new album. We've got Austin Moe here, and we've got Dino McCord of Red Voodoo here. Both young, up-and-coming guys on the rock and roll scene that I know we're digging what both of them are doing. Right. Fresh, young upstarts. There you go. I like that term, upstarts. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. And someone who's not an upstart is Damon Johnson. No. Uh, he is a fucking legend in the making. That's right. Is what he is. Well, he's a legend already in my eyes, but he oh, should yeah, be in true. everybody else's, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> he, he, to, yeah, exactly. I'm just saying, like, uh, when it's all said and done... When we're all gone from this world. Yeah. You know, he's going to be a legend. But yes, he is legend status right now. Right. There's no doubt. Well, I mentioned that because we're going to talk about his album here in just a bit as well. Before we get into these interviews with Dino and Austin. But first, we got to let you know who we're sponsored by. And I want to kick this off with Sunset Tattoo because guess what? I finally got a tattoo from Sunset go. Tattoo. It's a good looking one, too. Well, thank you. Uh, it, it, is it a place where you don't really let a lot of people see? So I'm glad that you let me see that area of your body. <laughs> um, I think you, you enjoyed weird. it a little bit more than I did, but whatever. That's true. That's usually the way it goes. It's just the way hey, it goes. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it just got weird. I'll make it weird. I don't care. Right. Well, Sunset Tattoo's been sponsoring us since last beginning of last summer, basically, and we've known Jake for quite a while longer than that, because he used to run Downtown Lounge, and we were down there all the time interviewing bands that come through, or just seeing bands that come through, or just hanging out, because it was the best bar in Tulsa during yeah, its run. that was the best, yeah, that was it, that yeah. was that was the, the place, for sure. That's right, and now it's just another damn brewery down there. Right. Yeah, like we need another one. Don't get me wrong. I love beer and I love craft beer. But yeah, it seems like they're, it's like dispensaries right. popping up fucking everywhere. Right. But could be worse things to be popping up everywhere. I right? guess. I guess. What you do need to know is that Sunset Tattoo is Jake's tattoo shop. And they're located on 15th Street, right in the heart of Midtown, between Harvard and Lewis, right next to Merritt's Bakery. If you give Jake a call or shoot him a message, you can set up a time to get in there and talk to him about what work you need to have done. He also accepts walk-ins, but it's the era of COVID, so just try to be, you know, normal and just call someone first, right? But get over there, check out all his work online, Sunset Tattoo Tulsa on Facebook and Sunset Tattoo Tulsa on Instagram. You can see all the pictures. And yeah, now I can say I'm not just speaking out my ass. I've had exactly, it done, and exactly. I'm, I'm very happy with it. So good, good and good. I'm pretty sure you might be in the making here in the coming months. Who knows? I I, I am, and and this is no. I've told Jake this myself. I'm back and forth on that's right. If I want to do a tattoo at all right now, I don't know. Uh, I I think I do one day, and I think I don't the next day. I don't know. I'm not happy with the two I have. Who knows? Yeah. But ask me again in an hour, and I'll have a different answer. All right. So I'm sure I'll get around to it eventually. Right on. Well, a huge thank you to Jake for my tattoo, and of course for being a sponsor here. So get over there and check him out. We've also got DEB Concerts, a concert promoter based right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that has brought a ton of great acts to the downtown Tulsa area. Bands like Saxon, Last in Line, Buck Cherry, even Snoop Dogg. The list is long. They bring a lot of great acts to the Ideal Barm, as well as the BOK Center, and they also book the bands for the Roadhouse stage at Rocklahoma every year. This year, when the lineup is released for Rocklahoma 2021 on Labor Day weekend, we'll of course let you know about the bands that DEB Concerts has booked. But in the meantime, we can let you know that they recently announced that on June 19th at the Ideal Ballroom, Brett Scallions, known as the voice of the rock band Fuel, will be there putting on a full, a full, not fuel, but a full electric show playing the hits of Fuel. See, if I try to say that too fast, 
it just becomes a clusterfuck. But what I do know is that I've seen Brett Scallions live solo, and I've seen him live with Fuel, and he's still got an excellent voice. So that's one you don't want to miss at the Ideal Barroom. DEBconcerts.com is where you can check out ticket info and, of course, be kept up to date on any new announcements or any of the previous concerts that got postponed due to COVID, any reschedules, all that great stuff. And, of course, we'll keep you up to date every week on this podcast as well. So a huge thank you to DEB Concerts. We've also got Med Farm, a dispensary located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, right off the highway. 24681 East Highway 51. You can't miss them. Get in there. Check them out. They've got a drive through which makes it really convenient. You can call ahead. You can text ahead. Place your order. And get over there and just run right through the drive through and pick it up. They've got a huge selection. You can see it all at leafly.com. One of their specials that is constantly running is if you mention Thunder Underground, they'll give you 10% off your first order, which is really cool. But if you follow them on their social medias, Facebook and Instagram, Medfarm, P-H-A-R-M, OK, you'll find that they're always running specials every week on different products, different things. So get on there and check all that out. But more importantly than all that is that 30% of their proceeds are going to build no-kill animal shelters, which is a very, very great cause which I love to talk about. So you can go to any dispensary in this town, but if you just spend an extra 10 minutes or 10 or 15 minutes, pretty much from anywhere you're at in Tulsa, you can get over here to Broken Air within 15 minutes. And it's very worth it because you'll know that a third of what you're spending is going to help build no-kill animal shelters. Can't stress that enough. So check them out at medfarmok.com and let them know we sent you to get that discount. Finally, we've got Hella Hot Hot Sauce, a hot sauce company based out of the San Francisco Bay Area. They make small batch artisan hot sauces. You can check them all out at hellahothotsauce.com. You can also follow them on Facebook and Instagram. And that, of course, is Hella Hot Hot Sauce. We've also had a couple guys on our podcast that have their own line of sauces with Hella Hot Hot Sauce. Florida Frank from Hate Breed has been on this show. And he has a sauce called Florida Frank's Florida Heat. Digester from Ghoul has been on this podcast. And Ghoul has a sauce called Brain Jerk. You can get both those at hellahothotsauce.com, as well as all their other flavors and their other collaborations. And if you're on the West Coast, you can get them in stores as well. So once again, get on there and let them know we sent you. All right, like we mentioned up front, Damon Johnson. He's not here, but he has been here. Four times. Right. That's one of my favorite things that we could say on this podcast. Yes. You can you can say he's a friend of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I won't go as far as saying he's a personal friend. <laughs> right. Exactly. But, but we will go that far and say he's a friend of the podcast. Right. Once you it doesn't <laughs> matter who you are. Once you've been on here three or four times, you are a friend of the podcast. Yeah. Once he gets five, then I'll start telling people that I am officially Damon Johnson's friend. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So All if right. he hears this, he'll probably be like, I'm not going to end up. I'm not going to do this again. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the most recent time was just a few months ago. He was on the Eddie Van Halen tribute episode that we did. And he kind of kicked that off as the first guest. And he had some awesome stuff to say. Could have talked to him for the whole freaking thing. Right. But that would have kind of defeated the purpose of having a bunch of people on there. But. The point of all this is that he has a brand new album with, this is the first album under the name Damon Johnson and the Get Ready, but it's actually the same band he had with him on his last album that came out two years ago, Memoirs of an Uprising. But Battle Lessons is out now. Before we talk about it, do you want to just play it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, roll it. This is a great tune. All right, this is Battle Lessons, the title track. Sounds 
the title track from the brand new Damon Johnson and the Get Ready album. It just came out here in February. It's another fantastic album from Damon Johnson. Oh man, it, it it's a hard rock masterpiece. I think he took what was going on with Memoirs of an Uprising and it just, it, it's like streamlined just a little bit. Yeah. You know, just tightened it up. Which I don't think is like a, something he had to do or an improvement because Memoirs was a great record as well. But it's just, it, it was more focused in like, okay, let's do, you know, this is a three piece. Let's do this where they get ready. Laser focused this way now. You know, who, who knows? He's such a diverse artist. You know, the next record could be something different. And that's what I like about it. But this record is just. It's to the point. It's riffy. Um, it's got hooks for fucking days. I mean, I, I I cannot stop listening to this record. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, the thing I used to always be bummed about is that we haven't had a new Brother Kane album in 23 years, you know? Right. And that sucks. But then I hear something like this album, and I'm like, as much as I want another Brother Kane album, do I really need one? Right. I don't, I don't know how to say well, that and not sound it, negative because this, there's several songs on here that this is very reminiscent of Brother Kane because obviously you've got the voice and the guitar and the songwriter. It's going to be. It still sounds like himself at the same time. But what I'm trying to say is it's like if you're a Brother Kane fan and you're not in on this guy's solo work, you need to get your ass in on it. Oh, you're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're totally neglecting yourself of some amazing music. Yeah. Um, you're totally missing out. And I'm I'm kind of of the thought of almost like I don't even think of it in terms of I don't think of now I don't think of Brother Kane being the 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 hallmark, if you will, or you know the thing that we hold everything else that he does up against, or the first thing that comes to mind when you hear his name. It's not the first thing that comes to mind anymore, which is fucking crazy because I am such a huge Brother Kane fan. But you know that was then there was a time and place for that. 
and you know this is now and you know and it speaks to a whole you know having that mentality and all that speaks to a whole other issue of rock that we could go into you know where people people want to focus on what some band or some guy did 20 years ago when really we need to focus on what the fuck is going on now and what they're doing and cultivating um rock and getting it back to where it used to be um and we're not going to do that if we just keep talking about the same four records that came out in 1993 by whatever bands we like you know right and so you know i'm going to i am going to focus on damon johnson's recent solo stuff and i really and it works out because it's some of the best shit he's ever done the stair steps just keep going up 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 and up you know he he he's black star rider is you know holy shit this is amazing and then he's doing these last two solo records hold on hold on what the fuck this is fucking amazing this is like you know sometimes you don't think you can beat what you did before and I and then it's like memoirs of 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 an uprising was so fucking badass. I'm like, well, I don't know what he's doing next. And he's like, well, hold my beer. <laughs> and this is what he did, and it was it's just fucking great. I mean, it, it's so fucking memorable this record. And uh, I mean, it's only March, but it's probably going to be in my top five. Yeah, you know that that's kind of what I'm. You know, if not fucking higher. And it's. 33 minutes. Right. I know you love that. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) To the point, get in, beat your ass, get out. Um, You know, riffs, hooks. I mean, can't clap any louder. Uh, Let the healing begin. I mean, uh, and fuck, dude, you'll talk yourself into anything. What a fucking song, man. Well, I mean, that's probably, it's, that's, that's, that's the shit where I'm like, well, I'm going to put my guitar down. I'm never playing again. There's no (laughs) point. Holy fuck. You know? Yeah, talk yourself in anything is probably my favorite song on the album. Oh man, it's it's just it's it's fucking genius. Yeah, and can't clap any louder. Probably a tie there. Those first three songs. I mean, this whole thing's great straight through, but those first three songs are just like that's this album, you know? Right. And then lightning bolt, everything will be all right. And I love the brace guitar for impact solo. is fucking badass. The guitar solo and that's amazing. Yeah, so. it just baffles me. I don't know. Sometimes I I just get frustrated. Like I I, I don't want to be mean, but I I just want to say I don't know what the fuck you people are out there looking for. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what you're wanting. It's right fucking here. Right. <laughs> this is one of those records. Battle Lessons by Damon Johnson and the Get Ready. This is one of those records. Well, here you are. This is what the fuck you're talking about. So buy the shit out of this and crank the shit out of this. Yeah. If you're an asshole that says rock is dead. Buy this album and go fuck yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but make sure you buy this record first. Right. And the other thing I noticed is he likes song titles with three words or more. It's like, right. you notice that? Look at every song title on this album. Hey, like, I mean, that's just how it goes. Yeah. Dallas yeah. could have been a beatdown, Memoirs right. of an Uprising, That Don't Satisfy Me. It's like, he's just like, it needs to be a phrase or I'm not doing it. Well, and that's fine. It, it you know, <laughs> not, it's the complete opposite of Seven Dust, which everything is yeah, just one word. Single word, yeah. <laughs> and hey, you know, that's when you start doing something like that, you might as well continue it because that's kind of a calling card in exactly. a way, too. I know we already said it, and we say it every time we talk about it. Just it's you can never overstate how great of a songwriter this guy is, yeah. and that's evident here. On this, on the work he did with Black Star Riders when he co-wrote some stuff with Ricky Warwick. And then, of course, the Brother Kane stuff, Slave to the System. I mean, he, he yeah. wrote with Alice Cooper. He's wrote with Steven Tyler. wrote with all kinds of people. So, dig through it all. And his EP that came out a few years ago, Echoes, freaking fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's just... His solo that came out like a decade ago is fantastic. Simples. Pontiac is an amazing freaking song. We could just sit here and do a whole Damon Johnson episode. We have before. Like, yes, but. yes, we have. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, he's been on here three times. We talked a lot about this album before we had heard it. I yes. think we, at that point we had heard the first two tracks. And when we talked to him last year about it. And then not long after that was the Eddie Van Halen tribute episode. And then about a year or so before that, we talked to him whenever Memoirs of an Uprising came out. About a year before that, he was on here with Ricky Warwick. 
the Black Star Riders episode when they were in town with Saxon and Judas Priest. Right. So, and speaking of Ricky Warwick, he also put out a new album that same exact day. Yes, and it's a great fucking record. It's just yeah. one of those things. I mean, we could keep going. And there's a lot of stuff coming out and that has come out Yeah. Um, that I'm sure we'll get to over the next few weeks. We, we kind of took a break, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to all this stuff. But there's, you know, um, Inglorious put out a record. It's fantastic. Yeah, Joel Hoekster's 13. Holy fuck. With Russell Allen? I mean, what yeah. the fuck, dude? I mean, come on. Uh, I really like the new Alice Cooper. Yeah. And I'm not classically, like, a huge, huge Alice Cooper guy. You know? Like, I, you know, I love Alice Cooper, but I, I don't listen to him on, like, a grand scale. I admit, but that's a cool record. I'm, I don't know. There's, I know Nervosa has a new record with like a pretty much all new lineup I haven't listened to yet. There's all kinds of stuff coming out. Evergrey? Yes, that's a good record. I listened to that once. Yeah, I need to listen again. Yeah. Yeah, dig into all this stuff. And like I said, we'll probably be talking about it here soon. I know one for sure we'll be talking about here in the next couple weeks is the new album from Haunt, which right. will be out in April. Yes. But we might have gotten an advanced listen so we'll be Maybe. able to talk about that here shortly right so be on the lookout for that as well we should jump into an interview because we've got two yeah, of them here. we got two of them so yeah pack a lunch <laughs> right let's let's go into the austin moen first because it's a little bit shorter i think okay i'll just preface it by saying i know we had some technical issues with this one right it was broken up into three or four calls because I can't even remember. It's been quite a while since I recorded this. I don't know if it was dropping on his end or on our end here, but regardless, I got it edited together. So if there's any points where you're just like, that transition was weird, that's why. Right. <laughs> well, and also, we shouldn't we shouldn't neglect to mention that this episode is kind of like a uh, Frank Cannon Productions, uh, you know, eccentric episode with because that's what both of these acts fall under. Yeah. In fact, the last time. We had, well, last time we had Frank on was also the Eddie Van Halen tribute episode, but the last time we had a full episode with Frank was about a year ago, and I looked it up as February of 2020, and he was talking about, I know he talked about Red Voodoo in that, Yeah, and I think he might have even talked about Austin Moe as well. Both these guys, he's producing their work, he's working with both of them, and it's kind of cool, you know, that a guy that, you know, Frank Cannon's another one of those guys you could say is a friend of the podcast now. He's been on here three times. Yes, and, definitely. Um, Whether you know it or not, you're a friend <laughs> of the podcast. Right? Fuck. And he, obviously, lead guitarist in one of my all-time favorite bands. And to be able to talk to him and now talk to some other acts that he's helped bring it up. So, Austin Moe has got kind of a blues bass to him. He's got a video that he put out here just a couple months ago for his song, The River. And he's got more stuff coming here this year as well. So be on the lookout for that. But let's just jump into this and hear what Austin has to say. The River, the single's out now, the video's out. It's a great track, and I've noticed you've got a lot of good response from it. Have you been happy with the critical response and the fan response so far? Oh, yeah. Everybody's really been enjoying it. It's actually a pretty cool experience watching people enjoy something that I made, you know. Yeah. Is this your first single, or did you have another single before this? Oh, I have um, another track under uh, the Osimo experience. It's called Rock is My Religion. But this is the first single that I've worked and recorded with um, Frank Hannon of Tesla. Okay, I gotcha. And, and that was kind of where we were going to go. Uh, talk about how you hooked up with him and what's it like working with him. Oh, it's It's so cool working with Frank. He's such an awesome dude. And he here's things like when we're jamming that I wouldn't even have thought of like the, the female backing vocals on the track 
were uh, were his idea, and it totally made the song come to life. How did that? How did the relationship with you and Frank come about? Did he? Did you know him from the past, or did he reach out to you after hearing your music? Or how did that all work? Oh, so the way that I met Frank, um, long story short, my family friend bought me tickets to see Tesla when they were coming up to a local casino. And I shot Frank a direct message because my family friend has followed them since they were city kids. Okay. And I just asked Frank on Facebook, I was like, hey, you know, um, it's my 21st birthday. My friend surprised me with tickets to see you guys. I'd like to surprise him with just coming back and saying hi and, you know, we'll leave you out of your hair to do your stuff. And he, Frank got back to me that day and he was like, Oh yeah, that'd be cool. So do you, how many backstage passes do you want? And I'm like, uh, a couple, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've had him on, we've had him on the show twice. He, he's a great guy. Oh yeah. He couldn't ask for a sweeter person to play guitar. And, and so far, uh, out of you know all your dealings with him, what's the one thing you think is probably the most valuable thing you've learned from working with Frank? Well, the um, one of the most valuable things that I've worked with him is um, how to go about creating a song, because the initial idea for the river was just the riff. It, we didn't have any um like chorus or anything yet or really lyrics and so what he's shown me and taught me is a a process on how to create original music and how to make choruses uh uplifting and bring the song to that next step of you know kind of a breath of fresh air is he working with you on your full album or are you handling that yourself yeah, we're right now we're picking through the original songs um, and ideas that I have, and we're trying to we're debating either like a four to five song EP or like a you know five to eight song album right now. Okay, is that something you're looking for? You think in twenty twenty one to have out? Yeah, I'd think so. I guess a kind of obvious question is like you're putting out your debut music during a pandemic. Is that kind of frustrating to have that happen at this time? Or is it more just like it's happening and people are enjoying my music. So I'll just take it as it, as it goes. <laughs> you know, I think it's, it's a little bit of a, a blessing, but a little bit of a, yeah, it's a little bit of a blessing and a little bit of a curse because as much as I would love to go out and play live and all that stuff, it, it's also all this downtime has allowed me to focus on songwriting and being mentored by Frank. So there's pluses and minuses, you know, um, I think right now I'm just going to focus on my original music and trying to write the best stuff that I can. Yeah. I mean, that's probably a good point is like, you probably are getting a little more time out of Frank now than you would have if there wasn't a pandemic and Tesla was out touring all the time. Something else I wanted to ask about is that I noticed in your bio, it talked about how you had kind of mastered Guitar Hero and then your dad bought you an actual guitar. Like, what was that transition like? Because I would assume that it was might have been frustrating at first, like if you're used to the Guitar Hero guitar and then going to a real guitar. <laughs> it was actually not as bad as some people would think because I had, it got to the point where I was memorizing the the notes of the song on the game and I could go around and kind of semi do chores and like make my lunch and stuff while playing it. And so my dad saw this and he was thinking, well, he's memorizing the song already. So I need to get him a guitar. And he brought it up to me. He was like, so do you, do you want to play guitar? And I was like, yeah, you know, and cause I was, I was about 10 or 11 when he asked. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm at, I don't really have one right now, so I can't. So he called his friend, and that friend is the guy who owns the Flying V in the video. It's a, 
it's a nut guitar, but it sounds amazing. It's got a late sixties neck with all 75 hardware. Wow. And, uh, when I picked it up for the first time, I went on YouTube and Googled how to play, uh, ACDC's TNT. And then that was it. Right. <laughs> I was hooked. Well, and you know, something that you, you're a, a great example of this, something that I, I thought that I would probably hear more of was, you know, guitar here is a really good springboard and actually a really good learning tool. Yeah. I think it, it helped with hand-eye coordination Right, because I'm a very visual learner, and so it didn't feel foreign to like kind of stretch my hands. It was just a, a little bit of a different position, mm-hmm. but I think if I was to go at it just like stark naked, it would have been a totally different process. Exactly. How long? How long do you think it was from when you first started playing guitar that you got to a point to where you felt like you were really good at it? Oh, it was easily a couple of years. Okay. It was, thankfully, um, there was local blues jams up here in California at the time, and the host could see my improvement every week that I would come uh, and jam with them. And boy, let me tell you what, it was bad at first. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but I was I was learning, and the hosts were super nice and super kind, and every time they would let me come up for, you know, half hour at a time or whatever. And then one day it just clicked. And then it was, you know, I could figure out which Fred is G and A and B and all that stuff. As far as like blues goes, like at that young of an age, that's not really common for kids to get into that. Was that something that was your dad was a fan of or how did that, how did that come about for you? Um, I got introduced to classic rock when when I was growing up, my dad would always blast like Kiss and Montrose and stuff. But what really got me into the blues was I had a friend, uh, another local cat here, who was a straight up, you know, live, breathe, play the blues. And he was my age. And he brought me out to my first blues jam. And I just felt at home. <laughs> and so I just kept coming back and looking at more people like B.B. King and uh, Joe Bonamassa and John Mayer and, and all of that stuff. And, and and when did singing come into the fold for you? When did you decide I'm going to do that too? Well, when I first started singing, um, I'll have to back up to how I learned how to play guitar pretty much. My dad, after I learned TNT by ACDC, he saw that I was motivated. And so to keep me motivated, he set bounties kind of on certain songs. So he'd be like, okay, 25 cents if you learn this riff. (laughs) And then I would learn it. And then after he ran out of quarters, he was all, okay, well, I'll pay you $20 if you learn this song. And by the time I get home from work, and it was Scuttlebutton by Stevie Ray Vaughan. And I learned it about 99%, you know, with, with a little bit of some sloppiness because I was still learning guitar in general. But I learned it for the most part before he got home. And then he got extremely broke from me learning all these songs that he was <laughs> trying to have me learn. And then it went from $20 to just play the song to $20 to sing and play the song. And so then that whole rotation happened again where he was flat out of money. And, um, one, one day when we were, my mom and I were going up to a blues jam, I just decided on my own that, um, I was going to sing the skies crying by Steve Ray Vaughan and just hope for the best. And thankfully it was super easy, you know, cause it's a blues song and you can take breaks on guitar and stuff. But at first it was definitely a mental challenge to do singing and playing guitar at the same time. But over the years of doing it, um, it's become pretty, pretty natural, pretty secondhand. Well, outside of the learning curve of doing them both at the same time, was singing something that came pretty natural to you? Um, yeah, it, it was definitely a learning curve because, and and I'm still learning new techniques and stuff on both my voice and and the guitar every day, but. Um, 
throughout my family, I've had singers and, and uh, like people in Broadway and stuff. So it was kind of pre-built into my DNA a little bit. So I think it came easier to me uh, than some other people. Well, you mentioned the the first guitar you got. Like, what was it that kind of made you become a Gibson guy and stick with that? Oh, it, it just sounded so good out of the get-go. And I've always loved, uh, like, Angus Young played a Gibson HD, like Slash plays a Les Paul. And, and they're just such iconic instruments that I had seen throughout all my childhood. And it, it was kind of just a natural pull you know, towards it. Uh, you know, you mentioned Angus and ACDC earlier, and we know you're a big ACDC fan. Uh, what are your thoughts on the new record, Power Up? Oh, I love Shot in the Dark, man. It just surprises me how good they all still sound. Right. I mean, even with Brian taking the break for the hearing loss or whatever happened, and dude, still slaying it. Right, right. Yeah. The whole thing's great. Uh, it's 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 probably their best one in a lot of years. Uh, yeah, I got I got it on vinyl. I think it's the best, their best album since Razor's Edge. Personally, I guess kind of wrapping it up. Is there anything else besides new ACDC that you've been checking out this year? Have you kind of been sticking to the classics? Um, I've been mainly sticking to the classics, but there are some bands like um, Greta Van Fleet that have come out that have. Um, uh, kind of reassured me that there is an opening for newer like bands to make it mainstream. And there's another group called um, the Cadillac Three, which they're more of a Southern rock group out of uh, the South, and they just kick butt, man. It's a total Skinner vibe, and they're just awesome. Yeah, I got the chance to see them live last year. It was it was pretty good. That slide player trips me out, dude. He has bass strings on that thing. Oh, really? <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> Besides Greta Van Fleet, there's a lot of bands like Rival Sons and Dirty Honey and Joyous Wolf that are kind of championing that sound as well. So it's kind of a good place for you to be in, I think, with your sound. Oh, yeah. I was, I was going to mention Dirty Honey and stuff, but... Um... I figured, you know, Greta Van Fleet, they're, they're all really good bands. And as far as, like, turning on the radio, they might be a, a little more in the spotlight at the moment, I think. I know Dirty Honey's got some really good stuff, too. And uh, Joyce Wolf and all that. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely some, some good stuff coming from these bands. Well, dude, we appreciate you taking the time with us, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you've got coming next year. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. I'm, I'm really honored to be on the show. There you go. Austin Moe. A huge thank you to Jody Best of Best Bet Promotions for hooking that one up. And of course, a massive thank you to Austin Moe for taking some time out there to talk to us about what he's got going on. So look him up. Follow him on Facebook. Buy his music. You can listen to him pretty much everywhere you can hear music. That's Austin Mo M O, and like we said up front, talked about there in that episode, Frank Hannon's got a lot going on with Austin, and he's got more coming here in 2021. So be on the lookout for all that. And of course, someone else that Frank has some stuff going on with is Red Voodoo, and we've got Dino McCord, who is the lead vocalist for Red Voodoo, and he talks here coming up a lot about what, how. They got hooked up with Frank, and it was a pretty interesting story because a lot of times you hear, well, you know, my dad knew this guy or so-and-so was friends with this guy, and there's right. a connection, but it's just like he just reached out to him as a as a fan that happened to, you know, live in, the, in Sacramento in the area where Frank's from, and it just all came together that way. So it's a really cool story. Same with his right stuff with Sammy Hagar and everything, you know? And, you know, good on Frank for being open to that. Yeah. A lot of dudes would be like, ah, I got this weird I am from this guy. Yeah. You know? But, I mean, sometimes, you know, uh, it's worth taking the chance. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. One same with the Sammy Hagar thing. Just, like, reaching out to him after playing Sammy Hagar songs for so long. Oh, yeah, then, totally. And being able to get up on stage with him. So, 
Very cool story here from Dina McCord, so let's jump into it. You guys released Bring It Back here in December. So talk about yeah. how the response has been so far from fans. Oh, you know, it's uh you know, we kinda just released it, so we're hoping still that we could get, you know, a bigger push from Rise Up, but just uh, immediately I think People really like it, and uh, it's it's a lot different from Rise Up. It's more of a hard rock tune, and uh, it's really like Rise Up, another mission statement about how we want to bring rock and roll back to uh, the new generation. You know, talking to that that talking point about bringing rock and roll back to this generation, like how did you get into this style of music at such a young age? Because it seems like, you know, young people into classic rock seems pretty rare to me at least. Right, yeah, it is pretty rare, man. I mean, a lot of my friends, you know, listen to, you know, just the, the pop and rap stuff. But, you know, it's all really thanks to but pretty much all of the dads and for all the members of the band kind of all getting us into rock and roll music, you know, because um, all of our fathers in the band, they're all musicians. So we were growing up listening to, you know, ACDC, Led Zeppelin, Van Halen, Sammy Hagar, um, those type of bands. So we just kind of really just fell in love with it and uh, really appreciated it. But as we got an older, we're seeing, hey, you know, uh, rock's really not in the limelight right now, and uh, we want to bring it back. So that's what we, and that was actually the first song we ever wrote as a band was Bring It Back. So that's what we wrote it about. Tell us about this uh, full-length album that you guys have got going on. Yeah, man. So we got the whole album uh, done, our first debut album in the can. And we're really excited about it. You know, it's it's really diverse. And um, the album name is Bring It Back. That is what we're going to be calling our very first album and our first debut. And, uh, you know, we're really excited. You know, we're going to release it once, you know, the world opened back, the world opened back you know, once it gets back to normal. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we're going to tour dates and play live shows again. And uh, it'll, it'll be really cool. But, uh, yeah, you know, we were throwing around some names, but we really thought that bring it back would just really just sum up the whole album and really what we want to do. So the idea now is to just kind of release singles every once in a while up until the point where you can put the full thing out. Right. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what we're doing. And, you know, just kind of given each month or so, or, you know, we're still trying to figure out what exactly what we want to do. Probably like a lot of these bands who are going to be releasing albums in 2021, just kind of feeling it out, you know, seeing what would be the best way to do it. Right. Just like you said, there's going to be so many bands putting out so many records. Uh, You guys better uh, get ready so you can go out there and run the race. (laughs) Right. You know, and that, and that's, that's what's kind of cool about it is that's an equal playing field. Right. Even for the bigger acts. You know, it's all an equal playing field. So we're all in the same starting line. When you hit go, you know, go for it. So, but uh, no, I think, you know, we're really hopeful about this album. You know, if I could really, uh, in one word, describe the album, it's full of energy. It's full of energy and it's full of just like a lot to just, it's a still good rock and roll. That's the best way I could put it. Is, is Bring It Back and Rise Up a good indication of like the, that encompasses everything that's going to be on this album? Or is there going to be some other kind of surprises for people, you think? There'll be for sure some other surprises, you know. Uh and you know, some we have a ballad on there, and uh, just some more just party rock songs. And uh, but you know, bring it back and rise up. Those two are probably most like those are the like mission statement songs. I would say you know, uh, just rise up relating to the pandemic, and then also bring it back, just relating to you know, just bringing rock and roll back. But yeah, you know, we have a we're a really you know, I wouldn't say diverse band. It's all in the same wheelhouse, but. Um, there's there's much more to come when you listen to the full length album. Plus, we'll have a bonus track um, that may feature uh, Sammy Hagar on it, covering his song "Rock and Roll Weekend." Wow. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that is. And that's... that was really cool. So that's that, something that's, that's already you know, been that, recorded. You're really saying? Cool. Sorry to yeah, jump so over Rock and Roll Weekend has Rock and Roll Weekend has been recorded, but okay. um, we're uh, we're in the talks right now to see if that'll be a possibility. Um, or Sammy Hagar to uh, feature on that song okay. as a bonus track for the album. Gotcha. You're talking about the album, like what did you guys learn from working with Frank Hannon as a producer? 
probably the one biggest thing we learned about working with Frank is that, you know, even when you listen to all the Tesla songs, you know, every single part of the song matters, you know, it has to, has to fit in its own arrangement and each part has to mean something to the song. And that's what really makes a good song at the end of the day, you know, and at the end of the day, it's really about the songs, you know, without good songs, you can't really go anywhere. I mean, you've got the look, you could have the personality, but without the songs, those are your, that's your stamp of approval from the fans. So, but yeah, that's probably the biggest thing, man, is just how to write a good song, you know? And how did, uh, how did the connection with Frank Cannon come about? So (laughs) how that happened, man, was, uh, so I don't know if you guys know this, but Red Voodoo, before we were playing original music a year ago, or about a year and a half ago, uh, we were a Van Halen tribute band slash cover band, you know, uh, playing classic rock, rock tunes all over uh, Northern California, Bay Area, doing four-hour shows of Van Halen and classic rock tunes, Daily Roth and Sammy Hagar, um, Van Halen era tunes. And we would play for about four-hour shows just doing the bars and stuff. And, uh, and it was pretty cool, you know. You gain a lot of experience, you know, uh, especially, you know, I was... 16, 17, I'm 18 now. And the rest of the band was about, you know, 16, 17 and uh, 20 because Nick, our drummer, is older than the rest of us. But um, we got a lot of experience playing covers. And it got to a point where it was like, okay, you know, we want to take this to the next level. And um, one day I was sitting in class at my, at my high school, you know, and I, uh, I just messaged Frank over Facebook. And I said, hey, man, you know, I gave him the history of about the band and stuff. And I guess, you know, he heard some videos of Red Voodoo already. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another. And he asked me the next day to go play with him um, at one of his local shows with the Frank Hammond band. And he, uh, he asked me there to sing Getting Better in front of about 200 people in this club. And, man, that was I was so nervous. But I did it. It was great. You know, I learned Getting Better in one night which I'm being honest, I didn't know a lot of Tesla before I met Frank. But the reason that I messaged Frank in the first place is because 30 years ago, my dad worked with Frank for two days. He was a bass player in a band that um, Frank was producing. And uh, my dad would always just tell me the story of, you know, Frank just for those two days in there producing my dad's band. And uh, it's kind of cool, you know, how it came full circle now with Frank working with uh, his son and myself. And, um, but he didn't, even, you know, when, I, when uh, my dad and, and myself went over to Frank's house to meet him before the show, he didn't even remember my dad. He thought he was the drummer, but he was the bass player. So it just kind of shows that, you know, uh, it was just funny how it all kind of worked out. You know, it wasn't like my dad messaged Frank and said, hey man, remember me? It wasn't anything like that, you know. I just took a limb and just went, all right, here, let's see if this could work. You know, it's the power of social media, dude. It's a crazy thing. <laughs> dude, no kidding. If if I could have messaged Frank Cannon when I was eighteen and got a response, I would have shit myself. <laughs> uh, I'm <laughs> 44 now. now, so that is that. That's a great testament to you know technology and in, in, in the times. I think that's that's great. Right. Yeah. For sure, man. And. Uh, you know, it's like with working with Frank too, you know, it's, it's, we've learned so much and, you know, right now during the pandemic, I think it's a huge silver lining for musicians, you know, because we have all this time to really just get going, right. Going back in the studio, you know, a lot, I mean, Red Voodoo wasn't, but a lot of acts were on tour so they could have time to really sit down and hone in on their craft and, um, you know, making, making connections to further their careers. And we're a huge uh, Sammy Hagar fan here at Red Voodoo because our name Red Voodoo is a, a Sammy Hagar album yes, name, yes, you know, yes. kind of paying homage. And a lot of the tracks on Bring It Back, the album, uh, are very like very Van Halen, Sammy Hagar inspired, you know, with our backup harmonies and stuff that you hear them bring it back and even rise up. Um, we're a very vocal band. But uh, anyways, my point with Sammy Hagar is you know, we're really trying to make a connection with him because he's like our idol and hero and stuff. And um, I actually got the honor and privilege back in October. Um, I went to, to Cabo and uh, Sammy Hagar played on his birthday, you know, uh, just a little acoustic intimate set. And he actually recognized me in the crowd and invited me up on stage to sing two songs with him, which that was 
really, really amazing. That was like my dream come true because Sammy Hagar was my hero. And for him to do that was just insane. We played, um, I asked him to play finish what you started, you know, and then I also, uh, he kept me back up there and we sang Eagles fly. Wow. So that was kind of on an on the spot thing. It wasn't something that was planned out ahead of time. No, no, not at all. I, I got, well, all, all I got was a text message saying, you know, get here at like one o'clock to the Cabo Wabo. But, um, you know, it's just, that, that was just one of the best days of my life. And, uh, very very uh appreciative for it too but how it relates to red voodoo is you know we're trying to as i said make connections with people that we want to be around or even play with in the future so it's all about really during this time you know making sure the songs are great making sure we make the right connections and uh really just forming red voodoo speaking to that sense like you know obviously the band was a kind of a cover band tribute band towards Van Halen. So was everybody in the, in the band a majorly influenced by Sammy and Van Halen, or was that more just you? Uh, no, we all are for sure. Okay. And, um, David Loyler, uh, guitar player. I mean, he, he, he is like, does Eddie's spot on. And, uh, it, it really shows, you know, even when we played in the band, you know, cover bands and also, and our originals, you could hear the influence too, of, of for sure Van Halen. But yeah, it was all of us, you know. That was like really who we looked up to. And uh, I was watching an interview the other day with Eddie Van Halen, um, and uh, he was saying, you know, when Van Halen came up um, for their debut and actually, you know, broke and made it big, you know, he said that uh, disco and uh, what was it? Disco and pop was in was in like the forefront. And I thought it was pretty funny now. Because I'll tell you, man, I really do think that there'll be like a rock and roll revival in 2021 when everything opens back, you know, everything is all back to normal. And because uh, I can name you five bands right now on the top of my head that are young bands like us. And, and you know, I, probably about four years ago, I couldn't name any bands, you know, you know, Greta Van Fleet, Dirty Honey, Joyous Wolf, you know, uh, just different bands like that. But um, yeah, I just really think that they'll just be a rock and roll revival. And um, when all of it's back up, it's going to be nuts. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's long overdue. So I hope you're right. I mean, all those bands you listed, it's kind of, kind of been like a groundswell. I think them along with rival sons kind of getting us back right. to where, you know, maybe that'll be more of a mainstream thing here in the coming years. Definitely. Right. And you know, for like my generation, it's just all rap and pop and, you know, it's just kind of funny how history repeats itself. And I, I really do hope and I really do believe that's the case. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, talk about ha- how Red Voodoo came together. I mean, did you guys grow up as friends or, you know, was it just kind of... No. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so um, pretty funny uh, that none of us went to the, any... We never went to the same high school together, nothing like that. We all went to different schools. And, um, I, you know, I was at my very first concert was uh y&t at ace of spades in sacramento my dad bought me to my very first concert and i was there for two reasons number one that was my first concert and number two i wanted to find members for a band and uh and uh, i was in a band previously just like a little kid band like when i was in sixth grade and i played keyboards but um you know i i wanted to become a singer and that was because of sammy hagar and I'm sorry, Y&T was not my first concert. That was my second concert. Sammy Hagar was my first concert that I went to. And after that day, I decided that I wanted to become a singer because of Sammy. So, but then I wanted to start looking for members. So I went to Y&T, and that was my first, like, club show was Y&T. But I met a drummer, Nick Peasley, who was, uh, who was looking to form a band, too, and, uh, I just met him at Ace of Spades in Sacramento and he came over and jammed and he was like, Hey man, you know, I, uh, I know this guitar player and he plays just like Eddie Van Halen, exactly what we're looking for. And, uh, you know, and, and Nick, I guess, and Nick and David, they knew each other prior, but weren't really in touch. But then we brought David down and David played eruption for us. And we we're like, Whoa, you know, this is like insane. And then, uh, I was, we had to find a bass player. And usually, you know, not only is it hard to find young committed players but also just you know 
<laughs> just young young folks in general that are into rock and roll music. So, right. and bass players, bass players are super hard to find, you know. So, I go on Craigslist, and uh, I find a young aspiring guitar player looking to join a band, you know. And 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 uh, Andrew comes over and he auditions, and and you know he's he's uh and he's really turned into an amazing bass player, man. And uh, but yeah, you know it's not your really cookie cutter story about how you know we were all friends or you know we all went to the same school. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just like you know it's hard to find players, especially this day and age. So it's just kind of like. I like to say it was like destiny or some shit, you know, like we all found each other and stuff. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, but none of us went to the same high school or, or we didn't even know each other, you know, with anything like that. Since you guys, you know, started playing original music and you've released these couple tracks, kind of talk about how the experience has been like trying to build your, your brand for this band during a pandemic, you know, cause it's kind of unusual a lot of bands, you know, started beforehand and had to slow down and you guys are kind of starting while everything's going on. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've gotten our experience like with our live show, you know, um, doing before the pandemic, but, uh, like you said, you know, it's just, you're right. We really just honed in on our craft and really just want to build a foundation during the pandemic. And, you know, it's, it's been pretty cool, you know, as Frank, as a producer, you know, uh, we have our practice space and he comes down and we all sit in a room and we go through each song. I mean, right now we're working on the songs for the second album, uh, right now going through each song, making sure they're the best they could be. And, uh, you know, it's usually just how it works is, is that we all get in a room together. Maybe one of us has a, has a song idea and we bring it to the band and we're like, Hey, check this out. Or, or we all work together as a collective group. And, um, you know, and then we go into the studio and start mixing and mastering all that stuff. And uh, it, it's just it's just a really just cool experience that, that, you know, we're able to do during the pandemic. Because if we weren't, we probably would have still been a cover band, you know. Uh, you know, Frank would have been on tour. And we probably would still been a cover band just playing the local state fairs or something like that. So it really uh, just goes to show that, like I said, you know, it's such a silver lining and that we could really build the brand for sure. So is the hope to kind of, you know, just keep putting out the singles until it gets to a point where you guys could get out and maybe get on the road here in the next year or two when things open up a little. Right. Yep. That, that is, comes when the time's right. Um, put out our full, you know, debut album for sure. But, you know, we got some good stuff, but bring it back coming up too. We got the music video that we're going to be releasing real soon. Um, and, uh, just, just more, just stuff on, on bring it back and that's kind of our story with it. I've really enjoyed both these singles. I'm looking forward to what you guys got coming with this full length album. And we appreciate you guys or appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Of course. Thank you so much, guys. There you go. Dino McCord, lead vocalist of Red Voodoo. A huge thank you once again to Jody Best of Best Bet Promotions for her help with that one. And of course, her continued support in this podcast. Always. This was, this was a Jody Best centric episode we had two interviews brought on by her and then of course she's also the publicist current publicist for damon johnson so right got some little music some music in there as well from jody so yes so thank you for everything totally absolutely be on the lookout for more stuff from not just jody best but from us coming up here soon but this i believe is the first time i don't have uh i didn't Look at a calendar, but I'm a wild shot in the dark. About this time last year, or about when the pandemic hit. Right. So probably later this month, almost a year, this is the first time that we've been completely caught up on interviews we have recorded. (laughs) Oh, shit. And what are we going to do next week? Who knows? (laughs) This is the first time we're just like, the future's wide open. Just pissing in the wind. (laughs) Right. Because once that pandemic hit April, we knocked out like a thousand and twelve right. interviews. Well, because everyone's at home not doing yeah. anything, so everyone in the mother's like, "Yeah, sure, I'll talk to two dudes from Oklahoma. Yeah. Who gives a fuck? I'm not doing anything else." Yeah, Alex Skolnick and Florida yeah. Frank were like, "What? Oh yeah, sure, I'll do it this yeah, time." Yeah, sure. What What am I doing? <laughs> Sitting in my apartment? Let's do this, boys. <laughs> right. But yeah. So with that being said, we've got several things in the works. 
with some people around here and then some other people that have been on this podcast before. All kinds of stuff. And we've even got a cool idea that you brought on coming up. Should be coming up soon with our buddy Mike Thrasher. Whenever we get around to recording that, so. You know what? I, I, I don't even remember what it was. I remember telling you, but I don't even remember what the idea was now. It's Thrasher. That didn't ring the bell for you? <sighs> he knows. Uh, you can tell me off. Uh, off. I'll Mike. give you a quote. Where's my fucking shirt? Oh, that. Yes, okay. yes. Oh, yes. That <laughs> has to happen. Okay. It has to happen. <laughs> the Yucatan Ninja Stand. <laughs> right. <laughs> and everybody's like, what does this even mean? Well, you you'll will find see, out. See, yeah, soon enough, in the weeks you'll to find come. out. You will find out. <laughs> but like I said, speaking of Frank Cannon, you've got three episodes with him you can check out. You've got Brian Wheat from Tesla as well was just on here two episodes ago, 312. Our last episode was with a band out of Denver called Bound by Years. If you like some heavy ass stuff like Kill Switch Engage, you dig these guys. Speaking of Kill Switch, we've had Mike D Mike on this D, podcast. Right. Speaking of That was a good one. You remember? <clears throat> I, I don't want I'm 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 not trying to go all Eddie Trunk on this, but we were on the bus and we left and the Kill Switch dudes all said hi to us and whatever. Yeah. And Adam D. Not only has his pizza guitar that he plays, yeah. but he had a big pizza blanket. That's right. A big blanket that was shaped and looked like a big piece of pizza. Dude loves pizza. Yeah. I that think was great. I think that's proven now that he likes pizza. Definitely. <laughs> but all kinds of stuff. I and, mean, that same. And we have had Eddie Trunk on here before, too. So. Yeah, there you that's go. That's just another one. <laughs> and that same day that we recorded Mike D, we talked to Neil Fallon of Clutch. We've also had on Tim Salt of Clutch. We've had on two of the guys from Corrosion and Conformity, including the unfortunately passed Reed Mullen. Right. We've also had on, like we said, Florida Frank, Matt Byrne, and Wayne Lozenak of Hatebreed, all three at separate times. And, and you mentioned COC. If you want to go that route, we've had dudes from Crowbar. Um, we've had dudes from I Hate God on uh, Super Joint. So, I mean, uh, typo negative life of agony. Typo negative life. It goes, we can go so many different tangents you can Tangents hear. we can go off of. We've had them on. Because there's the, we're here on an episode with a couple like rock guys. We've had on Vivian Campbell. Right. Dizzy Reed. Jason Todd, formerly of Shinedown. We've had on the melodic stuff. Warrant. Great White. Firehouse, Trickster, that list is super long. We have had on rock and roll goddamn Hall of Fame member Glenn Hughes. That's right. Rock and roll Hall of Fame member Gene Simmons. Yes. And I mentioned two other ones a minute ago. And Bruce Kulik. And Alex Skolnick. I mean, they're not in the Hall of Fame like they should be, but, you know, they're badass. Bruce Kulik (laughs) definitely should have been in there, but that's a whole other episode. That's right. We should make an episode where... It's not about who from KISS should have got in or who else should have got in. It should just be about why Bruce Kulik should have been in the Hall of Fame. That's the yeah, whole episode. Right. Yeah, well, we not did. about why Eric Carr should have been in there. Not about why Dave Abruzzi should have been in there. <laughs> that's the biggest. That's one of the biggest snubs to me. I think it and actually is. And I'm not is, even the biggest Pearl Jam fan, but when you just. I think it look, actually is you, the biggest snub. Yeah, because when you look at it all, that's one of the biggest fuck yous that you could just imagine. Yeah, I mean, okay, he didn't play on 10, but he was on that tour and played on so much shit for like the next, what, 10 years or whatever, next yeah. three or four albums. Just, uh, wow, what what a what a kick in the pants. Right. Um, but, but, and then, you know, we could go, we, we could go into, now you bring that up, I know we're trying to wrap this up, but fuck it, you know, Iron Maiden possibly going in, uh, I don't even know if that's... If we care, do we? I don't know. Well, we talked about that on the last episode. You know, did so we, we really? Yeah, since it's been like three weeks. That's yeah, we did. Been. See, well, you know. Because it was like the day after that was announced. So, And three weeks is a lot of time for me to kill a lot of brain cells, Trent. <laughs> right. So my apologies for forgetting momentarily. I don't know. I thought Robin Fink or Chris Pittman was a huge snub. Tommy Stinson didn't get in there either with Guns N' Roses. I thought that was kind of shitty. Okay, well, thanks for joining us, everybody. I mean, Tommy Stinson played on three songs on Chinese Democracy. Oh, my God. This is like the whole fucking... 
Blaze Bailey should be not. <laughs> God damn it. We can't do this again. <laughs> now, now it's all coming back to me. Yeah. Now it's all coming back to me and I'm really getting pissed. Okay. So we just need to wrap this up and go inside and listen okay. to some Rory Gallagher and be done with it. <laughs> right. I think Damon Johnson would approve with that statement. I'm sure he would. I'm sure he would. I bet he's a fan of Rory Gallagher. Oh, man, how can you not be? I'm about to make you a fan of Rory Gallagher. <laughs> right. You're going to love this shit, dude. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Well, with all that being said, feetthunderground.com. That's where all the socials are. So click on all of them. Follow, like on all of them. You can also listen to the podcast directly there or listen to it pretty much anywhere podcasts are heard. Wherever you're listening to it right now, subscribe or follow or like. Share it with your friends on your social medias. Tell your friends about it. All that great shit helps out big time, and we appreciate it. Once again, we don't know who the guest is going to be next week, or if there's even going to be one. But there will be a next week. Yeah, there will be. Episode 315. Won't be James Hetfield, but it could be Whitfield Crane. Jesus, it probably won't be that, though. I've tried. That hasn't worked out yet, but it will. (laughs) John Krabby has been on his podcast, so, you know, hey, things have worked out in my favor at least once. I have a bunch. Paige Hamilton was on here, too. So. Right, right. <laughs> anyway, once again, a huge thank you to Jody Best, Austin Moe, Dino McCord, Hella Hot Hot Sauce, Sunset Tattoo, DEB Concerts, and Med Farm. And until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all.